I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Take a page out of other business leaders' playbooks and get candid advice from Chris Ronzio. People, processes, productivity, and how to organize your life around it all. Tranual hosted a virtual event in 2020 centered around empathy in the workplace. This session with author and entrepreneur Michael Ventura speaks on exactly what empathy is, why it is today's most talked about competitive advantage, and the framework for how to train your team for it. The following segment is part three of four. So one of the most practical tests I thought people could take away from this was the, uh, the, the door, the opening the door test. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's a great one. So, so a quick version of that is I was uh, in my mid twenties panting my way in and out of conference rooms like that CEO was. I was just sort of like on the go all the time. And I had a spiritual teacher at the time, an amazing man named Gil Barreto. He's since passed away. And Gil had this big, deep voice. And he would say these things that sounded so profound. And one of the things he said to me was, um, I think you're asleep all day long. I think as you're walking around the world, you're, you're somewhere else. You're thinking about the meeting you were just in or the meeting you're going to. And he said, are you left-handed or right-handed? I said, I'm right-handed. He said, I want you to walk through every door you go through for the next week by opening it with your left hand. I was like, that's the easiest test in the world. No problem. I'll see you in a week, Gil. And I go to leave his office. And of course, I open the door with my right hand. And for the rest of the week, there were moments where I would walk through a door, take two steps, and then look down at my hand and be like, ah, I did it again. And then over the span of a week, over the span of a couple of weeks, I started to get better with the left hand. It started to be more present. I wasn't thinking about the meeting I was going to or something else. I was literally just at the door and opening a door. And I was using my left hand. And I like came running back into Gil's office and I said, Gil, I'm doing it. I'm opening doors with my left hand. And he said, great, switch back. And then it began again, because once you get into the pattern, you have to realize that you're now falling asleep in that pattern again, and you have to continue to push and become more self-aware. And so that was sort of a good early exercise in just kind of being present. So as I read that, I I got through that chapter and I'm in my home office and I put it down. I was reading on my iPad, put my iPad down and I'm thinking, oh, this is cool. I'm going to, I'm going to do the left hand test and I'm walking out of my door and I grabbed the door with the right hand. I was like, how could I, I'm thinking about this test and I, and I did it wrong. So it is really hard to be present, to be aware. Um, I know even right now, people are being tested with, you know, the recommendations to wash your hands all the time and don't touch your face. And I, I find myself being more aware because of those recommendations of not doing those things. So everyone's getting a little taste of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So as a company grows, how how does it become harder to be empathetic? You know, I think with, with a small company, it's it's you know, you've got these great familial relationships. And as you grow, um, you know, you might introduce more structure and it feels like there's this tension at play. So, so how do you work with that? Yeah. So, you know, the, as those organizations grow, your ability to know everyone becomes harder, obviously. Right. And so that you can't do what you did for 50 people for 5,000 people, because mm-hmm. it's not, you're not going to be able to spend the same amount of time with everybody and have that perspective. So you have to figure out ways of gaining perspective through other means, right? So if you're in the C-level of an organization, you have your direct reports. You've got to make sure you're really investing in them and understanding them 
but yet you're also empowering them to understand their direct reports and their direct reports, direct reports, depending on how much hierarchy you have in the company. That's a top-down way of thinking about it. There's also a bottom-up way of thinking about it, which is how are you as an organization availing yourself to the entirety of the company to hear their perspective, you know, whether that's through Slack, whether that's through a weekly standup, whether that's through, you know, whatever, whatever tools, resources you might have, whether it's through surveys, how are you pulse checking the org and, and benchmarking and understanding how things are changing over time? And so that top down and bottom up, both are really critical, but not to be overlooked is the middle out, right? There's that, that critical middle layer of every organization. Once it gets to a certain size, those people are the bricks and the mortar. They're holding everything together. And if yeah. you're not investing in those people and understanding where their pain points are, the wheels fall off the bus. I can't tell you how many clients we've worked with in the past 18 months where the, the, sort of br- the, the, the focus of the challenge has been help us make our managers better managers because they have too much to do. They've got to manage up, manage down, manage laterally. It's a tough gig for anybody and they, and they don't get any love. Managers are only, you only know when a manager is, is what a manager is doing when it's not going well. Very rarely do managers get praised when it's going well. It's like when the wheels fall off the bus, everyone points at the manager. And that's an unfortunate circumstance. And so how do you shift that so that they're actually the heroes they, they are inside a lot of organizations? Right. Yeah. It, it, it's tough for managers. And actually, I got a, I just saw a comment in the chat here. Someone, Holly says, I think I have a broken empathy button. I'm empathetic with people to start, but then if you disrespect me or show indifference, I lose empathy. So how, how does that work where, um, you know, you're navigating the relationship with maybe some direct reports? Is, is it difficult to, to, to maintain your empathy if you have some run-ins with people? So I think, Two things on that. One, let's remember in the beginning, empathy is not about being nice, compassionate, or sympathetic, right? So you can still have perspective. If if that perspective has changed due to their behavior, if you've now said, okay, well, this person has done a particular thing and now I don't respect them the same way, it doesn't mean you you can't still perspective take, right? And I know um, you're going to talk about this later, but Radical Candor talks about um, ruinous empathy, and ruinous empathy is, is when we're letting empathy to get the best of us, right? When we're just kind of over-empathizing with things. And so one thing I often remind people of is that empathy unto itself is neutral, right? I can take a lot of perspective. I can ask you the right questions. I can get to know you really well. Until I use that information, it's remaining in a neutral state. It's what I do with that understanding that matters. So I might take that understanding and really invest in our relationship because now I understand where you are and where I'm at and we'll work together to get there better. I might use that and in a nefarious way. You can look back to um, you know, like the news in 2016 with Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica was able to change people's news cycles and their ultimately their behavior through deep understanding, through cognitive empathy, mm. right? They, they, they couldn't Good have point. changed the behaviors of voters if they didn't know their behaviors and their patterns, right? So that you can't do that without empathy. So with empathy always comes in my book, a code of ethics. What are you going to do with the understanding you've just gained? And will you use it to help build a better relationship, a more collaborative relationship, a more inclusive relationship? Great, sign me up. But if you're gonna use that to manipulate to, to modify or to sort of, you know, behind the scenes, do something that the person's unaware of, that's, that's nefarious, but that is still, you know, you can't deny that that is also cognitive, founded in cognitive empathy. Yeah. 
So I, I guess detaching it is the main thing, right? Like you can be empathetic and understand someone and ask the right questions, but then how they behave and how you treat them as a result of that behavior is different from your understanding, right? They're, they're two separate things. Um, maybe a great example of that would be the, the Nike case study, how you know, you were, you're understanding customers totally separately from how you were applying it in the product. Do you want yeah. to share that example? Yeah, sure. So, so with Nike, we were launching this shoe called Flyknit, which was a, a shoe that was designed to feel the sole of your foot like the palm of your hand. So from a product engineering standpoint, these engineers were, had like cracked the code. They figured out how to make the sole of your foot so sensorial that it was actually able to, to connect in a meaningful way. Now, if you're a competitive marathoner, you know that's really valuable because you can feel your pronation and you can feel all this other stuff. But to a lay consumer... When you hear, you can really feel the sole of your foot like the palm of your hand. So what? Like, what does that? What like, what does that do for me? If like, if I'm not a competitive athlete and and that self aware of like my mind body connection and how my foot's pronation is helping me, you know, shave a tenth of a you know second off my time. And so we had to shift it into a whole other place of teaching people how their how their feet and mind are actually talking to each other to add some other value to the story. So it wasn't about becoming an ultra competitive marathoner, but it was, Hey, your body's telling you, giving you information all day, and maybe you're not being aware enough to notice it. So we did built this 4,000 square foot pitch black box and we brought in people and we had them take their shoes and socks off and we had them and we hooked a little brain monitor onto their head and, and to their arm. And we sent them through the, this labyrinth and we said, the only way you're going to get from the start to the finish is to let your feet guide you. Your feet are going to be your eyes and the textures of the floor are going to change. And when you go from grass to gravel and gravel to wet rocks and all of this other stuff, you'll know you're on the right path. And people weave through this thing. It takes them sometimes five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes. One person we had to go in and get because they kind of got lost. <laughs> but when they come out the other side, we downloaded all of that brain activity that they had while they walked with their feet as eyes. And we put it into this big data viz that showed you where your brain activity was. Sometimes you were in this really alpha meditative state. Sometimes you were in a fight or flight kind of erratic state. And so we would ask them. So when you were on this portion of the maze, um, you were standing on grass and you seemed really calm. What was going on in your mind? They're like, oh, it felt like, you know, it felt like I was in Central Park, but the grass felt really good. It smelled really good in there. Great. And then, you know, when you were on uh, gravel later on, you were really erratic. What was wrong there? And they were like, well, I was kind of getting lost. I was a little trapped in my own head. I didn't know if I was going to get out of there. And then we said, okay, where do you run every day? I, I run on the highway. I run on, I run on the runner's paths uh, in the West Side Highway in New York City. And we're like, well, have you ever run in Central Park? And then like the light bulb comes on. They're like, oh, that's why this is valuable. I can actually be in a different mindset if I'm letting my mind and my body talk to each. And then all of a sudden that, that empathy for self, going back to that, that case, um, really switched on for them and they realized the value of this product. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it's about teaching something through an unconventional means uh, in order to kind of hit that light bulb moment. Other times it's about training so that you can do that for yourself and others. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or share it with anyone in your network that you think could use this information. If you want to connect with me personally, please text me 480-531-8411 or connect with me anywhere on social at Chris Ronzio. Or you can connect with Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. See you next time.